Church, one more time. Can you make some noise for Jesus today? Come on. Listen, I'm so excited uh, this morning. Uh, we're, we're in uh, for a treat, really looking excited uh, uh, for what we're about to uh, be able to participate in. Um, but before uh, I do that, I want to give a little bit of an introduction. So uh, uh, today we're going to have some of our over, we have our, well, actually we have two. We have our church uh, is, is cared for uh, by overseers. And, and so they, they care for uh, Katie and I and our family, but not just us. They also care for all of us, our spiritual family uh, as well. And they pray for us and they, they, they give ideas and, and all these things and help us steward the vision uh, that God has given for this church. And today we're actually honored to have two of our overseers in here, uh, Pastors Mark and Michelle Benson and also uh, Pastor Pat Alvey. We all give it up uh, for them and their leadership. And we all please stand so everybody can see you here. Also, uh, uh, um, Pastor Vernon Gordon in, in Richmond, who's not here today. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Pastor Mark is going to uh, be sharing with us in a moment. And I just want to give a little bit of backstory. I don't know how many years, I don't know, over a decade for sure at, at this point um, that our lives have been connected. And I was sharing a little bit this morning in our team uh, rally this morning of just uh, how Pastor Mark has been, he and Pastor Michelle have been a part of really cool moments in the lives of me and Katie. And they've seen this journey and I remember uh, just being under their leadership on a Wednesday night. We're sitting here uh, in this section of that room in that congregation. And in the middle of his message, Pastor Mark uh, just begins to stop uh, sharing. And he just begins to speak life into me. And the, the very words that he said were things that I was praying about. It was about what God was doing in my life. Because I, I, I wasn't in vocational ministry at the time, but I felt that stirring happening. And I didn't know what to do with it. And Katie and I have been talking about it, praying about it. And I was like, Lord, I need help with this thing. And literally that night, he just began to speak with such clarity. It was if he was in my time of prayer. And I was like, yo, this is weird. How you know that? <laughs> how, you, how you know that's what I'm wrestling with right now? But that moment just began a journey. And later we would come on uh, staff and be able to serve under uh, uh, their leadership. And, and then uh, years later, uh, we would continue that in a different location uh, in Dothan, Alabama, which is where we had come uh, from pr prior to uh, the becoming. But I'm so thankful uh, for them and who they are and the way they lead, the way they serve. Like I'll, I'll say this about Pastor Mark, both of them, that they are, they are pastor for pastors. I mean, they just know how to care, know how to love, know how to serve people, know how to ask the right questions, know how to say the right things, know how to show up in the moment that you need them there, and to just be present. Oftentimes, people want a solution, but sometimes it's just the present. And they were that uh, and more. And I, and I couldn't have the, the, the totality of all the words to express, just the thankfulness um, that Katie and I have for you guys. And... Whether you all know it or not, uh, you are a recipient of, from them, of their prayers. And I believe that's how God works, that he connects us in this way. And there are people that you're supposed to touch, people that you're supposed to bless, people who are supposed to say, I'm so thankful that I know you. And that's what Katie and I say to you, that we're so thankful that we know you because genuinely our lives are better before it. And that moment there, those years ago, who knew that it was just the beginning 
of being able to be connected to all these amazing people and all the stories that are here uh, in this room. And so I just want to say thank you so much. Love y'all. Honor y'all. Church, will you help me give a warm, becoming welcome uh, to Pastor Mark as he comes? Come on. Will y'all help me do that? Wow. Wow. Pastor Michael, thank you so much. I'm going to have you kind of stay close because I'd like to, to, to just make this one statement in conjunction with what you just said, because I honor your pastor. I'm so proud and thankful for him and his leadership, he and Pastor Katie. Um, but I also want to say, and Pastor Michael, just come on back here for a minute because uh, I'll get to the word because the word's important and, and you need you need the word of God. But the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. And I'm not just giving it back to him because he gave it to me. I mean this sincerely. I've known him, I've known him before, as he said, pre-vocational ministry. And he followed that call of God. I may have said some things prophetically, but the Lord was already speaking. It was confirmation. And so you had to walk the journey. And the journey of ministry is sacrificial. And when they transitioned from Dothan, which is where we're at now, back to Huntsville, with really a, a call on their heart like Abraham, like they were following God, but they didn't know exactly directionally where they were going to land. And, but the Lord had you in their heart a long time ago. And here's what, here's what I'll say about them. They loved you before they knew you. I want you to hear that statement very clearly because if you want to see this church grow and expand, and, and I believe the two services, just the beginning of what God's going to do uh, to help reach this city, this community, this region with the love of Jesus Christ. But you have to understand what the reason that God drew you in was because you were in their hearts before, you ever, before they ever knew you and really knew you, they loved you. And I'm going to tell you, each and every one of you in this room, this is the way to grow the kingdom of God. Not a church. To grow the kingdom of God is that you would begin to love people in this city before you ever really know them. Because they need to be loved. They need to be encouraged and strengthened. And that's what they've done. They've prayed their way to this moment. And I'm so honored and excited that we're almost a week, just a week away from the, for the very special day of celebration. Pastor Katie, thank you for your leadership. Pastor Michael, thank you for your leadership and your love. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to have your pastor read uh, the beginning of this message. He's going to kind of open us up here today uh, to help me out. So if you would be so kind, would you just grab your copy of God's Word or turn uh, your cell phone, tablet, PC, whatever you've got the Bible in today. Grab your copy of God's Word, and if you'll indulge me. This is kind of the way I do things at our church and have done it for 25 years. Would you indulge me by repeating after me, declaring over you what you believe about this Word? Would you say this with me? Say, I am, I am. what God's Word says I am. God's word says I am. I can do. I can do what God's word said I can do. What God's word says I can. Do. I can become. I can become all that God said I could be. All that God said I could be. So today, so today, I'll hear God's word. I'll hear God's word. I'll receive God's word. And I'll obey God's word. Because I love His word. Now just turn to the person beside you and say, neighbor. You look pretty good today. I'm telling you, you look so good. I don't know if you got a haircut, you got a weave, lost weight, something happened. I don't know what it was. Something. Oh, you look good. Now turn to the person that you did not choose, your second choice, and say, you look okay too. Just let them know. They look all right. You look all right. You're not so bad. 
All right, Pastor Michael, I'm going to involve you in this. I've had you up here for a minute. Would you lead us in the reading of Scripture? And here's the deal. If we're going to know how to act as a church, the best place to look is in the book of Acts, right? The Acts of the local church. This was the New Testament church being birthed, and how they were going to be able to find the alignment for their assignment was to be able to figure out what God was saying and how to behave, how to act as a believer. So Pastor Michael, if you would, Acts chapter 2, if you'll turn there, Acts chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 42. Pastor Michael's going to read all the way down through verse 47, and I may stop you along the way just so that we can uh, just stop for a minute and chat about it real quick. So would you lead us? Yes, it says this, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching into the fellowship, into the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them uh, with all as anyone might have need. Uh, Stop just one second. Um, Okay. We, could, we must have read that wrong because there's something about what we just read that's crazy. I could see the acts of the church like, they, I, like he just read, breaking of bread, prayer, fellowship, the churchy stuff. I could understand people feeling a sense of awe, especially when there's signs and wonders taking place. I could even believe that they were together and held some unity. Yeah. But when you start to sell some stuff... Mm. That's because you see other people in need just so that they can be fed and cared for and loved and protected, yeah. that's when church really begins. Okay, on, keep going, keep I'm going. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity, I might need glasses, of heart. <laughs> Praising God and having favor with all the people in Jesus' name. Yes, and what happened as a result of having favor with all the people and the Lord what? Was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Not just Sunday after Sunday coming into the church. Now it moved from the church that is a building to the church of God is inside of you, resident in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, and you take it to the streets day by day. Would you give it up for your pastor, Pastor Michael? I love you, man. Oh, I'm so excited to be in the house of God today. I cannot wait. Man, I'm so excited. I'm telling you, I am thrilled beyond belief, and this is a dream moment for me, so I'm so privileged, and uh, thank you for indulging me in allowing me the opportunity not only to minister to you, but to just give you a quick uh, introduction for my family. So my wife, my beautiful, lovely, amazing, awesome wife is seated right here on the front row, and our children, as a matter of fact, we got, a, I think, a picture. Yeah, there they are. Uh, got a picture, my son Griffin daughter Taylor, and then Cameron, our youngest, who just turned 19, which makes me really, really old, turning 19 today, this very day, and uh, that means that we are in a new season of life. 
Um, I don't know how many of you have ever walked through different moments and seasons and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be preparing for, but I'm just trying to get myself ready. And that's where we're at at this stage of life, but we're having so much fun. And, and I know uh, that uh, he mentioned pa- Pastor Pat, my brother-in-law, actually, Pastor Pat Aubie, who's another overseer here, but also Charlie, Deanne, and their family, who is our extended family. We love all of you dearly, and so many that I already know and deeply love, but those of you I have uh, not yet had the privilege of getting to know, I cannot wait to get to know you. I want you to know there's a lot of churches, a lot of churches in this city, in this region, I've noticed, I've, I've, I've been in this city before, so I know, and I, I want you to know that there's a lot of cool catchphrases and a lot of nice signs and different buildings that are ornate and wonderful, and, and all of that's great. But how many understand, it, it's not the exterior of the building, it's not the paint, it's not the, the cute sign out front, uh, it, it's, it's about what happens when they get inside the building and begin to experience two things, the presence of God and the power of God that begins to change them from the inside out. But I, I want you to get three very important things in our time together, and here it is. It, in, as the Apostle Peter is, is revealing this New Testament message, these three areas. And I'm just going to pray over you that these three areas will be clearly revealed to you in these next few moments. I pray these moments will be so incredibly life-changing that you'll walk out of this place and never be the same again. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to dive deep into your word. And now, Lord, would you do what you do best? Holy Spirit, would you show up and show off your power in this house today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How how many are ready to learn something today? Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's do it. The first one, the first area I believe Holy Spirit is calling us to make room And this is the title of the message, I will make room for you. I'll make room for you. I'll make room for you. Uh, The first area that I believe Holy Spirit's calling us to make room for is God. You're going to have to make room for God in your life. And I don't mean just like he's a part of your life. I mean he's your everything. Every bit of you is, is just totally encompassed by everything that he says and everything that he does. There's got to be something deep within you that it's like deep crying to deep. And in the book of Acts, as we just read, there's this need for sensitivity. Sensitivity to God and what he's doing, what he's up to, what he's about. This Apostle Peter that preached this first New Testament sermon, one of these greatest New Testament sermons. And I just have to stop and say about the Apostle Peter that he was not always known for articulation. Okay, most and generally what you find about the Apostle Peter as you read about him, as you study about him, as you find open mouth, insert foot, the Apostle Peter, okay? Matter of fact, I feel in really good company when I think about the Apostle Peter because he fumbled over his words. Oftentimes he was making decisions and saying things, calling down. I mean, he he, he had some problems. I'm just saying he, he had some problems with his mouth. And Holy Spirit in the, at the day of Pentecost redeemed that mouth. 
And, and, and it could not, listen, he, I just want you to get this, really get this. He was with Jesus for three and a half years, and his mouth was not yet redeemed until the day of Pentecost when Holy Spirit came and resided in him. Jesus was around him, but Holy Spirit had to be in him. And for some of us as believers in this house, you need to understand, you can be around believers an awful lot. You can be around Jesus an awful lot, but until the Holy Spirit is in you, you'll never be changed fully completely. You'll never be fully transformed to be able to be a witness for Christ. So here's what happened. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that 120 were in the upper room, and now these saints that were praying after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, they're in the upper room praying because Jesus told them, you stay there in prayer until you get what I got for you. And sure enough, they prayed, Holy Spirit comes down. Now they begin to preach. They're trying to reveal the truth of God's word, and the apostle Peter stands up. And out of this 120, 3,000 get saved. 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. They go from 120 to 3,120 in one day. Can you just imagine in this room if this church grew in one day after Pastor Michael preaches the message and 3,000 people become part of the Becoming Church in one day? How many thank God for that? Would that not be an amazing legacy? However, with people come problems. How many understand, this this 120 only had a few days to try to figure out what Christianity and the New Testament church were all about, and now they're shifting gears from just learning how to be a dedicated believer and follower of the resurrected Messiah, Jesus Christ, and now they got 3,000 more knuckleheads are going to join the crew, and they're going to try to have to figure out how are we going to do this, and friends, can I just tell you, there were some issues in the church, There were some problems in the church. Things got a little messy. Can I just let you know something about Jesus? He's okay with your mess. I don't know where you're at in this journey of life, this faith journey, but I want you to understand God is not afraid of your mess. you got to just say, God, I need you. I trust you. And then you turn it to him. And listen, here's the things that we know. We, we, We believe as Holy Spirit graces us with his presence, that we have to create an atmosphere that welcomes Holy Spirit. That's what they were doing. The worship team, as Pastor Michael said, it was not Christian karaoke. It's not like they sing a song and we follow along. No, there's something much deeper that's taking place as we're preparing for the word. The the Bible says that as we're worshiping him, he's enthroned on the praises of his people. You're literally carrying him in on your praise. He's being carried in on on your praise. So when you praise God, there's something that is so significant, so so strategic in the life of a believer, especially in corporate worship. And let me say this real quick. I know that there may be some after this service or those watching online right now. And I want you to know we're so glad you're joining in with us. I'm so glad you're watching. You're kicking the tires. You're checking things out. And I'm so incredibly grateful that you're doing that. But I just want you to understand the pandemic taught us a few things. And no matter how great we could do it online, there is nothing like being in the house of God. Nothing like it. And we would welcome you. Be a part. And those of you that are brand new, first time here today, welcome. We're so glad you're choosing to worship God with us here today. Such an amazing house of God filled with character and integrity in these leaders. But I just want you to understand, the leaders aren't perfect and neither are the people. 
And that's good to know up front because sometimes when you walk into church, you, you feel like you got to be so prim and proper and put on your mask and act like everything's fine. And let me just tell you, this church is not about being churchy. This church is about being real and authentic and genuine and meeting you where you're at and seeing those needs that you have spiritually and helping to try to meet the needs. And as a matter of fact, they were talking openly about marriage and about breakups. Look, I got to say this. I got to stop real quick. I learned something, Pastor Michael, that I did not know about your story, and it blew my mind. And, and when I am, like, in conversation with a, with a friend of mine, I'll start out with the word bro. That's how I say, bro, bro, what's up, bro? Okay, that's how I do when I'm, like, having a good conversation. But when I'm, like, something's gone wrong, something's gone off the, like, off the rails, and I can't believe that something's happened with somebody, I, it's B-R-U-H, bruh. Like, what, bruh, for real, bruh. And I wanted to text Pastor Mike last week and say, bruh, bruh. You telling me you broke up with Katie? I'm talking about Katie? I mean, I know it was only for four days, but my, Pastor Michael, you broke up with Katie? Practice? I'm talking about, you go, we're talking about practice. How in the, anyway, I'm just going to leave that alone. I, can't, I couldn't believe it. It blew my mind. Anyway, I don't even know where I'm at in my notes now, but I just have to say that that was... We need to make space for God. You got to make room for him. You got to make room for him. Look at how do they manage this new growth? Let's take a peek at it real quick. Here it is. Let's look at it. It was verse 42, and I'll just repeat it. Pastor Michael just read it. They were continually, everybody say continually. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Let's talk about what those mean. The apostles' teaching. So they were trained. They were willing, listen, to receive correction if necessary. They were humble. They were humble. Now, I know that there are times where people try to correct you and they don't know you. And they just come up, they're mean, they just want their way, they're selfish and self-centered, and they just want what they want. And maybe it would go something like this in a hypothetical situation. You're driving down the road on your way from here to the restaurant you're about to go to or back to your house, and on your way, you accidentally cut somebody off. Okay, you, you didn't mean to because you, you're a great driver, and you never do that kind of stuff. You would never do that. You'd never try to weave in front of somebody uh, because that's just not who, how you operate and how you function because you're great drivers. But that's why we don't have bumper stickers. I'm just saying uh, for the, uh, I, you know, I, I'm afraid to put bumper sticker on the back of my car that says that I'm part of a church because then I act. Anyway, so, so you, 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 know, you just get in front of somebody, and, and here's the thing. They don't know you, and now they don't like you. So they're going to try to train you in how to be a great driver, but they're not right next to you, and they can't really communicate. So what they do is they just put their, their fist in the air, and then they use one finger to be able to tell you how amazing that you're number one in their life. They're trying to train you. I don't like to be trained by people who don't like me. But when it's someone that I trust... Someone that I love, some that I, someone that I know loves me and cares about me and has my best interests at heart, has spiritual uh, uh, nuggets of truth that they want to pour into me. Friends, can I just tell you, it's a beautiful thing to humble yourself and say, I need something more. And so it is with these apostles. They, they were committed, these New Testament believers, these 3,120 New Testament believers were now submitting their lives 
to say, I need to be trained. I want to learn. I want to grow. And they were consistent. And they had fellowship. They were building relationships. They were building relationships. You can't have a relationship with somebody you don't talk to. And my fear in the church is that we do get a little too churchy at times. We walk in the room and, hey, how you doing? Well, bless God, I'm doing real good, real good, yeah. Blessed and highly favored, pastor, I'm doing. Oh, I just. And they're going through hell on earth. They're lying through their teeth. And I don't mean you can't be cordial and kind and generous and all that. That's, I get that. And especially if you don't know them, I get like, you know, somebody says, hey. And you're like, Whoa, you vomit all over them, your world and all the bad things that have ever happened to you in your whole life. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about accountability and trust and vulnerability where we come together as believers and we never gossip about it. We pray about it. We come, we, we come boldly and humbly to say, I need help. I'm going through stuff. My marriage is in jeopardy. My kids are off the rails. I, I don't know spiritually where I'm at. I, I feel like, a, you know, my prayers are hitting the ceiling. I need some help. I need some accountability. And it's not like you have to be accountable for every sin you've ever committed to them because you don't go through them to get to God. They bring you to the, the throne of God, but you can go there by yourself. But being accountable with one another was the way the New Testament church was established. Then the Bible says that they went house to house and they were breaking bread. And this is not just about food, although in a southern church, let me just say, when I say food, y'all, mm, I didn't get any amens before this, but it's food, I said, all the amens, right? They weren't just eating together, although that is a great way to get to know one another. I think that's important. But they were breaking bread and they were taking communion. The Bible says that they were, they were remembering the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. They were, they were gathering together and they were remembering Christ. And then when they were remembering Christ, Jesus was then remembering them. And I don't mean remember like, yeah, I got you. I remember you. I know you. I'm talking about he was remembering. He was putting back together what was lost, what was broken relationally. And, and the challenges that they were facing, he was bringing them back together. How many of you know sometimes we have issues with one another in the body of Christ and we've got to get over it? We've got to like build a bridge, get over it. But more than that, you've got to sit down. Matthew 18, sit down and talk about it. Make things right. Don't ever let offense stir up in your heart. The, the bitter, roots of bitterness grow down deep in your soul and in your spirit that, that stops the work of God in you and in others. Don't let unforgiveness rest in you. And then they prayed together. How many of you know a revival is taking place right now across the country? And I just want you to understand the significance of this type of revival. It's one of the, uh, one of the more unique revivals in our history because they're not coming to hear an eloquent speaker. They're not even coming to hear great worship. I've listened online to the Asbury, and it's I. I mean, no, look, I'm not trying to be wrong. I'm not trying to be rude or obnoxious or anything like that. It's all right. But the prayers of the saints that are lifted up in corporate worship to God to say, God, I'm abandoning myself to you. I need you more than I needed you ever, than ever before. And they're praying not just by themselves in a closed closet somewhere, which is awesome. You need to have devotional time. You need to spend alone time with the Lord. But there is something about corporate prayer that when you gather together, the Bible says when one, you put one puts 1,000 to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight, meaning there is exponential power in your corporate gatherings, in your prayer and in your worship. 
And I'm not even a page and a half in, and I got like 10. So much to say in so little time. That's where Pastor Michael, now as I understand it, you're going to be having a series uh, that's related to this. So what I don't say, you can say. That's all right. The believers then were devoted. So what happened after those four things took place? They were committed to those things. What happened? Then there was a sense of awe. Not awe like you watch a video from YouTube that shows somebody doing a, like a triple back flip, and you're like, oh, that was awesome. Or you watch that six-foot-two kid win the dunk contest last night, right? I mean, that's like, oh, that is awesome. It wasn't like that. There was a sense of awe, the recognition that God's in the house, man. Like this isn't a country club. This isn't a political realm. This isn't a hangout joint. This is where God shows up. And all of a sudden, they were in awe of his presence. They had commonality, which does not mean cookie-cutter Christianity. I want you to look different, talk different, think different, act different. Why? Because God, in his variety, chose to use the unique brush strokes of his goodness to paint you and make you who you are. Friends, can I just tell you, I am so overwhelmed by the fingertips, these little fingerprints that I have on my fingertips. It blows my mind to think that the creator of the universe would take so much time in his creative process to carve grooves this master creator would carve grooves into my finger, fingertips that would be different from any other human being that will ever live or has ever lived. Why would he do that? Why would he take so much intricate care in putting fingertips and fingerprints on those fingertips to be able to mark you and make you different from everybody else. Why? Because he wanted you unique. He wanted you different. He wanted every bit of the uniqueness inside of you. All those idiosyncrasies that people overlook, God wanted them there. I'm not talking about the foolishness. I'm talking about the goodness of God. There's something about the beauty of the New Testament church that was so diverse, so incredible, that, the, the, that he put those fingertips, those fingerprints on those fingertips so that everything you put your hand to for the Lord Jesus Christ would prosper. That's his design. That's God's divine design. And then he puts someone together in relationship with you like a spouse, and then you hold hands and you intertwine the grooves of both of your fingertips. And you tell your life story every time you hold each other's hands. The Bible says that they had generosity, a spirit of generosity. They were giving stuff away. Like, I don't even care about my stuff anymore. Have it. I don't care. I just want to be closer to God, and I want to help you. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They were together and unified. And let me just tell you, husbands and wives in the room, you understand what I mean when I say this, that you can be together, or you can be together in one room and not unified. Matter of fact, you can be in the same room and miles apart, relationally and emotionally and all that right? But they were together and unified. They were sincere. They weren't fake. They weren't phony. They were authentic. They were sincere and glad. They had a common praise. I'm just rereading what Pastor Michael said. They had a common praise to God. Friends, if we found out anything during the pandemic is we cannot do life alone. 
My dad was the president of a mental health clinic, and he had uh, 20 clinicians that were counselors. And let me just tell you, what we found from the mental health field is that anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts went through the roof. A thousand percent increase, not a hundred percent, a thousand percent increase in crisis counseling. Why? All because we were not made to do life alone. When Jesus you know, on this earth helped remind us of why a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his spouse. It wasn't because he was saying, or God in the, in the beginning, as he was defining marriage, he, he wasn't saying, I'm giving you marriage because this is the antidote to loneliness. He was saying, I see that you're lonely and you need community. Are you following this? It wasn't a mandate for marriage. And then finally, the favor with all the people not just the Christians, with all the people. By the way, Pastor Michael, you did say that those lights get hot, and so you told me to dress in layers. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do it. It's getting hot in here. No, I'm, you know what? You're laughing because you, I don't even know, I don't know, look, I don't even know that song, but, but they have to adjust their halos like they don't know what I'm talking about. But they were in the club partying to that back in the day. I'm just saying. Ain't everybody all spiritual up in this place? My wife just gave me the cut sign. That's what a real woman does. Anyway, building a healthy church, how do you do it? It's called sensitivity training. I hate it when people are insensitive, and so do you. When they're insensitive, you don't like that. You hate that. When my wife and I were first dating I didn't know this, but she was teaching me how to fish. I, I, I didn't have a, a pole, and I, I didn't have bait. I didn't have a hook, but she was teaching me how to fish, and I didn't know it. She was putting me through the ROTC version of sensitivity training, and I didn't even realize it because she would, I would ask her a simple question. Hey, we're going out for lunch this afternoon. Where would you like to go to lunch, I would say. And she would say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. Anywhere you'd like to go is just fine. Liar, liar, pants on fire. So, here's what she'd do. I would say, hey, how about tacos? She'd say, mm, you know, now this is when we're dating. I mean, in the married life, it's a lot different conversation. But, you know, in, in dating, mm, no, sweetheart, you know what? I just mm, don't know about all. I, I was, you know, maybe another place. Oh, but whatever you would want is just great is what she would say to me. And then I would say another place. Well, how about the burger joint down the road? Mm, you know what? I don't really know about that. And I'd go through like 10, place, 10 places. Finally, I would land on the place that she wanted me to fish for because she had a place all along in her mind, but she didn't want me to say it. She, she, didn't want her, she didn't want to have to say it to me. She wanted me to figure her out. Sensitivity training. Now I'm in a new season of life. Michelle used to go with our daughters to Target all the time. It would blow my mind. They'd disappear for hours, and I didn't know what in the world they were doing. It was like this Narnia they stepped into. I don't know what it was. It was just so crazy. The Target was just calling their names. And so all of a sudden now we're in this moment where now we're empty nesters, and I'm trying to figure this thing out. So I decide I'm going to go through sensitivity training all over again because I'm a lifelong learner, fellas. And I show up at Target. Look, this is a place where good men go to die. I'm telling you. I, I showed up there, and I was so lost. And she's, 
like got me, I don't know, trying to walk me around this place. And I finally figured out what it was. Here's what you do at Target. And at least my wife is, walks around aimlessly, aimlessly through all these in and out of the rows. And, and then she would get her coffee, and now she's sipping coffee and walking aimlessly, which made no sense to me whatsoever, because if I want something, I get in, I get out, I am done. And she's just like wandering aimlessly. And then, it's crazy, she would go from, from that to all of a sudden, now she's, she's walking up to different articles of clothing and feeling the material. And then looking and saying, you know, I think that somebody else I know has this outfit. I'm like, what are we doing in this place? Any ladies in the house, what is, help me, I'm saying. She's teaching me, listen, sensitivity training, and so the Holy Spirit is teaching you sensitivity training to all of those lost, hurting, broken people that you want to come in and look just like you, think like you, talk like you, act like you, be on fire for God like you, and they're not yet ready. Why? Because they're just coming in broken. They're coming in hurting. They're they're filled with anxiety. They're dealing with depression. Maybe, just maybe, can I stop and say this for a minute? Maybe, just maybe, they've been hurt in church before. How about half this city? I know the demographics. Maybe they've come from a very hurting place because they've been hurt in church. And, and, and so the, you're trying to get them to trust you, and you're saying, hey, just trust me, just trust me. Bless God, just trust me. Well, they've heard that f- before, and so you have to train them to trust you by proving they, that they can trust you. Are you following this? God's got alignment for your assignment, but you have to be so dedicated to sensitivity training to the Holy Spirit that you know when to speak and when to be quiet. When to say something quick like, hey, this is what you should do and this is how you should do it. Or, you know what, I'm just going to listen because love listens. Love listens. Every hotel and every restaurant has what they call Yelp reviews. And these Yelp reviews determine their success or their failure often. And I'm going to have the keyboard come up. I'll, I'll stop at page two instead of page eight. I mean, how many give me five more minutes? Five more minutes. Okay, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. I am in now. I'm just kidding. Keyboards, (laughs) sensitivity training. I'm trying to be sensitive to you. (laughs) Here, now think about this. Every restaurant serves food. That's it. They just serve food. Every hotel, think about it. I don't care if it's a $50 a night hotel or a $500 a night hotel. Most in generally, it's pretty much the same stuff. Most in generally, same square footage. It's a room with a bed and a bathroom and a TV, maybe. That's pretty much it. So how can one person charge 50 and another, church, uh, another hotel over here charge 500 The difference is the one that's over here that spent five, that, that you spent $500 to go to, they took their, their whole team through something called sensitivity training. 
They spent millions of dollars just so that when you walk through the door, you feel welcome. So when you're on your way to church next Sunday or the Sunday after, and you're driving and you're thinking, boy, I hope they sing the song that I like. I hope Pastor Michael preaches the message that I like. I hope they have the food afterward that I like. I hope Pastor Katie gets up there and says something that I like. I hope that the people in the back, they take care of all the things that I need and I want. How about taking a different perspective on this? As as you're driving in, you begin to pray, Lord, show up. I just need you. I don't know what else to say, but I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you more than I've ever needed you before. Holy Spirit, show up in a powerful way. And then, Holy Spirit, make me sensitive. Make me sensitive to you and make me sensitive to them. Those that are walking through the doors as you go to two services, it's going to be a little harder sometimes. You're going to have an opportunity. You're going to have an opportunity. I'm just going to tell you right here, right now, you're going to have an opportunity as a member of this church to complain about just about anything you can find. There's always something to complain about, right? I mean, this whole city is filled with engineers. You troubleshoot for a living. Like, you got a critical mind. Sometimes it turns into a critical eye, which could turn into a critical spirit if you're not careful. But I'm just saying, listen, what I'm saying is this. There's always something to complain about. And I'm a a card-carrying member of a gym. Uh, We've got a a fitness center near our house, and I'm I'm a card-carrying member of the gym. Can I just tell you, I don't have to show up at all. They'll take that 10 bucks out of my account every time. They don't even care if I show up. And when I do, if the, if it's all, you know, the machines are all sweaty, I can, I can call somebody over, I don't like this. And the toilet was broken over here. And the fountain that, you know, that was supposed to give me my Gatorade, that, that was broken down too. And I can just complain because members have the opportunity to complain. But can I tell you, God's not asking for membership. He's asking for partnership. Who in this house is willing to partner? Can I tell you, if I owned that gym, if I was a co-owner, a partner in that gym, guess what? I would show up early. I would stay late. I wouldn't have a complaint in the world. I'd be the one wiping down the machines to make sure somebody else was cared for. I'd be welcoming people with a smile. Hey, I just want to make sure you're taken care of. And that's the body of Christ right here at Becoming. That's who God's calling you to become is welcoming Let the the, the song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here, be the anthem of your life. That as you're driving in, all you can think of is, I just want Holy Spirit's presence. I want to make room for him. And then I want to make room for them. I'll park further away just to make make sure, sure somebody else gets a closer spot. I'll give up my seat readily and willingly just so that someone else can find Jesus. And right now in this place, we're going to take a moment to be sensitive to Holy Spirit and welcome him into this place and into your heart to be able to say, Mark, I need Jesus to come in. I need to make him Lord and Savior of every area, not just a few, every area of your life. He wants to invade you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And if you're here for the very first time, this is a very loving place. And we will celebrate you in that first time decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. To know that your sins are finally forgiven. No longer having to hold on to shame and guilt from the past. That he'd heal your broken heart. There may be others in the room that's a rededication prayer in this moment. You're saying, Mark, I've known the Lord. Maybe I've walked away a little bit. I've let sin enter in, and it's just not good. I just need forgiveness.
that dedication, that rededication prayer means everything. And third, maybe you just put on that churchy smile and that churchy mask and you walk in and you do your traditions. But listen, God's not after your rituals. He's after your relationship. He wants to know you. He wants to know you. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Lord Jesus, in this house, we know that you called us to be sensitive to you. And we ask that in this moment, you would touch the door of our heart. Make us more like you. Tenderize our heart. Make us connected and close to you. If that's you in this room, heads bowed, eyes closed. Please, no one looking around. I just want to be very sensitive in this moment. If that's you and you'd say, Mark, I want to be included in this prayer. Maybe it's a first-time decision. Maybe it's a rededication. Maybe you just have that churchy mask and you need to get real instead of religious, whatever it might be. I'm gonna invite you into this space right now. Would you do me a favor? Would you just slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer right now. Come on, all over this place. Yes, God bless you. God bless you in the back toward the front. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Three, four, five, six, seven. Anybody else? Yeah, come on, that's you. God's tugging on your heartstrings. You say, Mark, what will people think about me? They got their heads bowed and eyes closed. They're, they're, they're just trying to get alone with God. I promise, listen, I'm not here to judge you. My heart is to bless you and invite you into relationship with the only one who can set you free. Anybody else? Yeah. Just one more moment. God bless you. Yeah. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to invite everyone to pray this prayer out loud after me. Would you do this? Everybody in the room, can you say this prayer out loud after me? And and not just the ones raising their hands, but I, I mean everybody. Say this like you mean it. Say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can you just put your hands together and celebrate? Come on. All of heaven rejoices because you made that decision today.